Welcome back to Who's Your Band? And before we get started, I just want to take a second to wish my co-host, Sean Morton, a happy birthday. Happy birthday, oh, Sean. Thank you, Dollface. Um, and let me tell you something. You only age, you're like a fine wine. You uh -huh. age gratefully. You age great. How, how old are you? Are you, are you turning... 29 for the 15th time? 44, yes. There you go. Jeff, you I go. wish I could say the same for you. You're more like the Taco Bell that you throw in the backseat of your car and forget about for four days. Mm. Mm. Yeah, th that's what I am? That's what yeah. I am. Okay, well, thank you. Listen, the love fest is over. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I wish you a very happy birthday. Thank I wish, you, I, I wish I times were different when we can be hanging out and enjoying. I know, I know. Uh, I'm happy with this. I'm, happy um, with this. I'm not happy with that. We deserve better, but the show is better today. We, I am really excited. I say this every week because we have great guests, but I'm really excited to introduce this guy here. Um, this guy is, um, he's one of the, the rising stars in not only New York politics, but I'm going to say uh, national politics. Um, it's, it's really my, my, my honor to uh, welcome to the show, uh, New York State Assemblyman, Mr. Charles Fall. Hello. Hello, Charles. How are you, Jeff? Thank you for having me on. Oh man, are you kidding me? It's it's like I said, it is a sincere uh, pleasure. We we have a lot to discuss, so let's get right into it. Um, first question off the bat: um, What is an assemblyman? Like, what does the job entail? Absolutely. So the job as an assemblyman, there's a number of things we do. Right, we are elected uh, by the people in our respective districts. Um, you know, we are. Um, a branch of, of government at the state level, right? So in order for anything to become law, there it needs to go through three processes, right? You have the governor, um, the state senate, and then the state assembly, right? And it's just so, like that. So New York, New, most states' government, uh, just for, for people who may not know, are yeah. set up like our national government. Exactly, exactly. Right. So we're, like what I am, I'm like part of the house in the state of New York, right? But for the state government. Right. So our jobs is mainly focused on, on passing the state budget and make sure the state budget is passed on time. And that's, of course, of about 100 and over $170 billion. And this is the funding that goes to our hospitals, our infrastructure, um, a number of organizations, localities, etc. Um, and we also have the power to introduce bills and that can either be signed into law or sometimes get held up in committee as a freshman. Um, I already have four bills assigned into law. Um, two of them actually just passed um, two weeks ago. And so if the governor signs those, so it'll be six by the end of my first term, which is you know great. I wasn't expecting that, but I guess with the hard work um, and the constant follow-up, you know, some things can get done. Um, so yeah, that, that's really the, the gist of the job, right? Um, the state budget and uh, introducing bills, but we can't also forget the people we represent, right? Far too often, people get frustrated. They elect these um, folks into office, and then they forget that you know they're representing them. You know, so one of the things I'm often doing is having town hall meetings. I'm out at community events, connecting with people, and a lot of the bills that I introduce that that were signed into law are um, things that I've heard from the public. Right. So I'll give you an example. Um, the, one of the bills that that passed two weeks ago um, was that was it was a bill that would require the city of New York to hold a public hearing if they wanted to cite a homeless shelter in any community, right? And the reason why I introduced that bill is because the city of New York did something like that without you know, 
having a dialogue with the community, even though the city may already move forward with the bill, but it's, I think it's important during the process um, that you hear from the community what their concerns are, or the schools overcrowded, is infrastructure um, in the community sufficient? Um, you can have 10 other homeless shelters in the area that, you know, that this one may be oversaturating in it, where you may want to put it in a different area in my district, you know? So it's about, you know, being transparent and having so that's kind of like what the, the, the role is. We, we represent each member in the assembly represents a little over 130,000 people. Um, we have 150 assembly members throughout the state of New York. Um, and in the Senate, it's like the same thing. They have about 63 senators um, and each senator represents roughly 350,000 people. Do you ever introduce a, a bill from your constituents that maybe the people want want overwhelmingly but you're not a hundred percent like you know on board with but you kind of but you're doing it because the people are asking you to because um, you're I that have, voice yeah i haven't i haven't had a situation like that yet um but anything that um somebody um, brings to my attention um the least i could do is like take a look at it and consider what i'm going to do with it right there, there will be times where i'll give you an example like right in the 60s um, I think what public opinion didn't want, uh, uh, what was it, the civil rights bills to get passed, um, but the elected officials at the time felt strongly about it and they got it passed, right? So there's gonna be times where um, we may not necessarily agree with um, what the general public wants, um, but I haven't had that situation yet. Um, so, but I can't, you know, we're, we're, we're elected to make difficult decisions sometimes, but we're at the, ultimately took oath of office that auto office is um, about doing what's right and uphold the constitution. Okay. How did you get started in politics? Because I know you from high school. Uh, yeah. I, I, we were talking off. You know, you were always a smart kid. You always are very respectful kid. Not the best football player I've ever seen. I got to say that. Um, be basketball may have been more your sport, but um, you're always very smart. Did you always want to get started in politics? Did you always have a an eye towards politics? Not right now. Um, because actually basketball was my dream, you know, going to the NBA. And I remember my father telling me, like, toward my senior year in uh, high school, going into college, um, that, you know, you know, continue to make sure that I do very well in school because uh, you, you never know when athletics will end, right? And, um, and of course, I tear my ACL and have all these injuries. And I'm like, okay, wow, good thing I'm doing very well in school. And, um, I'm involved, right? Because I've been volunteering for political clubs. And so, and it's also interesting, right? There was an example that I was giving me the other day where you like, you give the kids two examples. You have a, a book right over here and a ball over here. And you tell the kids to step on one, which one is more stable? You know, of course the book is more stable, right? which is such a powerful, uh, I think, example too. Um, but like what really got me into politics was the, President Obama's first campaign when he ran for office, you know, and you know how inspiring that was. Uh, he ran with dignity and with um, right? He was like he he ran with a certain type of class. He didn't just say anything to get elected. Do you remember where you were when he took the oath of office? Yeah, I was in Oklahoma. So I was like, really? College, yeah. So ah, I thought you. I oh, you're right. Because you graduated in yeah. um, June. Of yeah. 2008. Uh, I'm actually the first class to graduate in May. 
on football field. Ah, okay. I, re- I remember that. And right afterwards, it was a thunderstorm. Yes. 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 Um, <laughs> yeah. That's appropriate. Um, you are the first Muslim elected to the assembly. Um, yeah. You were born here, right? Yes, I was. Okay. How about your parents? Approval of my birth certificate, by the way. Huh? How about your parents? Where are your parents from? Parents of one in Guinea, West Africa. Okay. And, you know, growing up, they instilled that, you know, uh, I, m- I remember uh, meeting your, your, your father. Your father is a very imposing man. Like, you know, he doesn't have to say much, but, you know, he has that uh, aura about him. Uh, what was it like growing up? You know, you, I, know, you, I know your brother very well. Um, and I think, what, you have f- uh, four more siblings? Yeah, correct. And he was, uh, and, and he, he was, was at home. Was he, was he, uh, was he hard, you know, hard guy to kind of like, you know, he, he laid down the law at home? You know? yes. He was actually very flexible, right? Very flexible, but you also knew when he was um, very upset. Um, and him and my mom, you know, as, as kids growing up, uh, you know, they were immigrants that just came into the country, right? So they were trying to figure out how to survive here while you know, uh, raising us. You know, so, you know, for them, they always, I guess, set the standard very high. Like, I'll give you an example of our home home that passed the test with a C. But like, oh, we expect for you to pass. You know, we want you to get an A, right? It's like they always, like, upped it up for us. Um, and also seeing their value of hard work. There's no excuse if you can't get something done. you got to figure out how to get it done. Because if they couldn't get it done for us, we all would fail as and so that, that was like the lessons that we learned. And we just also having like, you know, my father, but my father around, um, you know, they're really like my, um, they're, my they're like role models for, for us. You know? um, your, your father didn't have, because the thing I remember about you as a younger guy and your brother as well, is you guys were always very even keeled. You know, I think that you, 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 weren't, you never got really too mad. If you did, you didn't show it. Uh, you guys had great senses of humor, but you always, you know, and always, always, always extremely respectful. And I think that, you know, is a credit to your parents, you know, like they absolutely, you know, taught you the right things, you know, the lessons growing up. And that's where I think it starts. Agreed? Agreed. No, absolutely. It starts at home, I think. And, you know, when, when you leave, and I tell this to my daughter all the time, you know, when you leave this house, you, you're representing not only yourself, you're representing the whole family. So if you go into school, you get into what you're teaching, you say certain things, that's a reflection of us at home. You know, you didn't learn that from us, but you're basically giving that idea to your teacher, oh, this is what you learned from home. So, like, you know, those are the things I try to tell my daughter, too, to, to make sure she's always conscious of it. It's not only about her, she represents the family. That's the same thing, you know, we got growing up, you know, always being mindful of how we're talking to folks, treating others like how we want to be treated. Um, you know, it's uh, the, the very basic thing. So it's what it should be to be a kind human being. You know what? You would think that would be the case. But in these days and these times, it, that seems to be out the window. Um, you represent the North Shore of Staten Island. Um, what are some of the pressing concerns in your district right now? Uh, transportation uh, pretty much sucks. Um, education funding in certain communities is not where it should be. And we don't have a public hospital. Right? We have uh, 
thousands, hundreds of thousands of taxpayers that are paying taxes, but we don't have any public hospitals. And so um, the opioid epidemic, you know, this slight- Big on Staten Island. It's big on Staten Island, but there is some progress being made there. Um, we have um, issues, not only in Staten Island, but throughout the state uh, with uh, mental issues, or uh, mental illnesses, right? So um, there's a host of issues out here um, that, that's on my radar. And again, part of my job as assemblyman, right, is to make sure that, you know, it's two things, right, that I'm fighting for those additional funds that many of these groups need and our public institutions need um, to address those issues um, or, you know, try to see, like, how I can uh, bring in folks in the private side of things. Um, so sometimes you just got to get creative in government, you know. If it doesn't work publicly, how do you do it privately to kind of connect the dots and make it work? Well, speaking about the private side, I'm glad you brought that up because um, I know you were just on with the mayor uh, a couple of days ago, and you've been a big advocate for small business protection. Um, my wife, I don't know if you know, has a, a, a small business on the north shore of Staten Island. She owns Bay Street Animal Hospital. Um, oh. Yeah, uh, so right by Mizell's. Yes. Yes, right across the street from Mizell. Yeah, we own that whole thing over there. Um, but what could small business owners uh, now look forward to in the upcoming months? Um, I, this city and state administration, they talk a good game about small businesses. But, you know, the, I think actions speak louder than words. And the actions seem to be going the other way. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. Like, look, anything that, and I'm really big on this, you know, anything that I talk about as an elected official, um, you know, that's why, like, I'm, I'm very careful when folks say you're a politician. I'm like, no, I'm not a politician. I'm a public servant, right? There's a big difference, right? Like, one politician has a negative connotation to it. Um, and one of the things I'm always constantly saying to my staff is whatever work we're doing, the people actually have to feel, they got to feel it, right? So when I worked for the mayor, we got universal pre-K, the people felt that, right? Because they were feeling thousands of dollars saved in their pocket by having their kids going to free universal pre-K school, right? The paid sick leave thing, right? Um, freezing the tolls for Verrazano, uh, for Staten Island residents for Verrazano Bridge, right? They wanted to increase it to 591, froze it for two years at 550, and we have to do that again the next time around, you know? And so when it comes to small businesses, uh, what you were referring to is the commercial, um, funding program or leasing program. So basically what that program did in the past was it um, provided legal advice, free legal advice on two small businesses across the city. Um, over 900 businesses across the city benefited from it. And, um, and the mayor um, cut it from his budget. Um, and so I text him, I'm like, Mr. Mayor, I think this was an error here. Businesses are relying on this especially free legal advice, especially when it comes to their landlord and what issues that they have going on during COVID. I think this was a mistake. Please have your team review it. Uh, he agreed with me. We're going back and forth with his team. And so they actually increased the funding because originally it was at 1.2 million and we put it to 1.5 million. And so that's the type of funding. If you're a small business and you need any legal advice, you don't necessarily have to hire a lawyer. The city has a program in place that can help you out. And so that's what that program does and it extends it. 
Now, let me ask you this, and, and I kind of feel like an advocate for, Sean and I are both comedians. Um, and this is something that's been kind of like big in the com uh, comedy community the last, uh, probably the last 24 hours that's been uh, going around, it's been all, all over social media, that uh, establishments that um, have an outdoor patio, okay? Out outdoor that serves drinks. Um, you can play music, like you, you can have a guitar player, a guy playing guitar, playing music, that's fine. But someone with a microphone telling jokes, that's not allowed. Um, that that makes no sense to me. I think, and I think that's what frustrates a lot of people uh, with what's going on with the uh, government today is that there seems to be a lot of inconsistency with uh, th these laws uh, that are made kind of on the fly, and the P and and these agencies that people didn't vote for that uh, are just kind of like popping up. And like, nobody asked for this. Nobody asked for, for that. Nobody asked for like, you know, like de Blasio is against the stop and frisk, but yet you can stop a car from coming in. It's the same thing. No, nobody voted for this. This was never on the table. It was never discussed. And then, you know, at a press conference, 24 hours later, it's, it's implemented. Oh, you, you, that absolutely makes uh, sense. I agree with you. Um, it's the same thing, right? You know, tell, you know, government doesn't have the right to tell anybody what to do with their body, but gyms are closed, right? And it's a really, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a serious problem because we have to, um, and this is one of the things that I've, I've told the governor's office, we got to be consistent here. You know, if you're going too far and saying one group, you're, play, you're playing, basically what's happening right now, there's a perception, and the fact is, government is playing favoritism towards certain entities, right? And we already see how those entities. Well, like restaurants, for instance, can be open and have outdoor dining, but for some reason, you guys can't do your stand-up uh, uh, stand-up shows, right? Um, and it could be done in a safe way. You know, if if, if you are going to do something outdoors, and the capacity of outdoor seating. The maximum capacity is um, what 50 seats. Maybe only 25 seats can be um, available because of social distancing, right? I don't know. I think there's a creative way that this stuff can be done. And so um, I hear you. I agree with you. It doesn't make sense. Um, but us in the legislature, you know, feel very strongly about this. Like, and look, if we don't have our um, many of these, if, if if our indoor institutions are not open by the end of this year, this fall. Many people are going to go out of business. You know, they're not going to come. They're not going to come back. And that's and that's the other part of the inconsistency. Uh, I think is you have uh, Cuomo, um, you know, making like these off the cuff comments. You know, come back. I'll make you dinner. I'll buy you a drink, which you can't legally do, by the way. Um, okay, so he, he's he's doing that. But at the same time, people don't want to hear that shit. People want to know, like, you know, why can't I have uh, uh, limited indoor dining? Why can't gyms be open? I was just over in Connecticut. They have that stuff going on. You're talking what, maybe 60 miles away from here? The, you know, so that's the stuff I think that drives people uh, kind of crazy. Um, how is it working with, uh, with, with the governor? Is, do you, is, is he a good guy to deal with? Do you, do you like him? Um, I think, you know, he, he is, has made good decisions in certain areas, but in certain areas, like with the gym reopening and being selective on um, certain things, I think there's been a level of inconsistency there. 
Um, and I think she could be doing better at that. And look, me and a number of my colleagues have raised a lot of the concerns that you have brought up. Um, and sometimes, you know, it's like one of those things where they hear you, but they don't hear you, you know? So, um, it's, uh, it's interesting. What do you think is, what do you think is your next step in politics? Do you see yourself going for mayor? Do you see yourself going for Senate? You know, so because I am up for re-election right now, I'll, I can only focus on my re-election campaign mm-hmm. um, first. Right. Um, it's a two-term. It's two-term. It's, two it's a two-year term, right? Is, yeah. Every two. Yeah. Maybe if we talk offline, you guys can know what the bigger plans are. There we go. Listen, man. You, the the people would be crazy not to re-elect Charles Fall. I mean, you are as. You're an honest guy. You're a smart guy. Uh, I think you. Here's here's something that I was pretty impressed about with uh, Charles Fall. Um, you uh, secured funding for the city's summer youth program. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, uh, the, that has been an institution in New York City that they wanted to cut, and Charles fought for that. I remember before I even knew you, Charles, and before I was at Moore, I was at Curtis. Uh, working as for an outside agency, and I wrote a grant and was able to get uh, the Curtis High School 200 summer jobs through the, the summer youth employment program. Uh, it's an invaluable program to the city and, and and the kids in this city. And for something like that, that to be even considered to be cut was insane. But you fought to get it funded. Oh yeah. So and this is what happened, right? And this is like so black and white. City of New York has what they have campaign finance, right? And if the city's saying that times are very hard and they got to make cuts, uh, why would we cut summer youth programming when there is this thing called campaign finance where literally for every one dollar you donate to a city campaign, it's going to be matched with $8 of taxpayer dollars, right? So if you donate $20, it's like $170 something dollars, right? of tax rate dollars, right? So like, why would you cut youth program when you should be cutting campaign funding that taxpayer dollars should be paying for, which, you know, which is a whole nother conversation, you know? And that's one of the things I spoke to the mayor about. I'm like, look, instead of cutting this funding, I think you should look at cutting debt, right? And then when things are back healthy, then, you know, we can revisit, you know, having that at a later date, but, you know, talk about cutting jobs and cutting this, it, it just doesn't make sense in my opinion. And he agreed with me. We had this conversation in person after one of the food pantry visits, and um, we got it restored. What do you think about the mayor? Are you uh, you started out in politics with him, didn't you? I did. Look, I personally, the reason why I'm always going to be grateful and um, thankful for the opportunity I had working there. You know, I was uh, I was like 23, 24 years old at the time. Um, one of the things that I, I saw from him behind the scenes that the public does not see is, you, you know, he'll, he'll ask you a question from a certain constituent from months ago. Like, whatever happened to this one case? Where did that go? Okay, if that person didn't follow up on it, he's going to ask, why is that person working for us? You know, like, he, he generally does care about um, the certain things, but I could see why. Because look, we, we look at the same thing on TV and there's certain things that just don't look right. And that's why the perception thing is what it is right now. So um, for me personally, you know, I, uh, I'm thankful for, you know, everything you know, he, he's done for me and the opportunities that were presented. But there are some things that could be improved on. 
That's fair. Um, are you concerned with, because I know, I think you're on the board of this with New York State, uh, or you're on a committee, not board, committee. Uh, are you concerned about tourism returning to New York? I am. Absolutely. I am concerned with it. Um, because again, the, this economy, the right now tax revenues for the state is down significantly. So when we go back to Albany in a couple of weeks, there's going to be some tough cuts that we're going to have to make. Um, unless the federal government could come in and give us, you know, they're the only ones that could print out money and help us out here. Um, but things are getting politicized over there. And I'm not sure if that's even going to happen. Um, but I am very concerned with tourism um, coming back. Um, well, I should say concerned with it coming back uh, sooner, you know, but I think it's going to take some time for us to get back to where it was at. Well, it's a, it's a good strategy that the uh, uh, mayor has is if you need federal funding to agitate the guy that can give you the money, you know. I'm putting you on the spot there, Charles. I know it. Um, I don't know. Me but, personally, I think Mayor Fall sounds fantastic. I Let me tell you, that would make nothing, nothing would make me happier than to, to be part of Mayor Fall's campaign to get him elected. Listen, oh I'm going to work for free. I'm going to work for free, and all I want is, yeah, yeah. An, is an easy pass that has a zero balance at all times that I could just go wherever I want. <laughs> That's what. How about a parking pass? I think a parking just the easy pass. No, nah, just easy pass. I'm not greedy, Jeff. I'm not greedy. That's pretty greedy because right now, what's the what's the bridge toll? Uh, the Verrazano. Well, sixteen for the Bayonne. Sixteen for the, I think it's twenty for the Verrazano. Roll that number in your heads, folks. Twenty dollars for the Verrazano Bridge. What do you think it's going to be in twenty twenty five? That is probably going to be closer to thirty dollars. Probably. That will be raised. MTA is going to be raised. Property taxes are going to be raised. Water taxes are going to be raised. They got to make up for it somehow. There's a there's a a, a camera, a speed camera on every block. It seems like in Staten Island. Listen, when I went to school in Staten Island, it was a four-hour toll. It was a four-hour toll to get from Bayonne to Staten Island, and it killed me every day. All right, let, let's go Imagine. easy on, on Charles here because I think he's, he's you know. <laughs> no, nah, we're light. We're light and easy. We're, 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 not, uh, we're not hitting him hard with that. No. So what we're going to do, we're going to go. I got uh, some mail here. I got some people who, when I said we have Charles Full coming on the show, I got so I'm gonna I'm gonna put the ball in your court. Do you want an easy one first, or do you want a you know um, a serious one first? I'm always ready. I'm always ready, Coach. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a hard one first, and then we're then we're gonna ease a, a couple of easy ones. Um, this is from um, Teresa in Staten Island. Um, how does how does uh, the lack of tourists impact the Empire outlets? So that sounds like a North Shore question. Yeah, how does the lack of tourist impact the Empire Outlets? So the Empire Outlets, she's referring to the Empire Outlet Mall. And I know um, when they first constructed the Empire Outlets, it was supposed to be um, almost like a package deal with the wheel, the New York wheel. That's right. The whole idea is people would see this uh, gigantic, one of the, big, the biggest Ferris wheel in the world in Staten Island, It'll take the ferry, go to Staten Island, pass the uh, the, the before getting to the wheel, they would have to go through the mall, right? So it was almost like one of those package deals. So 
That's why um, it's just, supposed to be the world's biggest Ferris wheel, uh, reminiscent to the one in London. Yeah, it was, it was it was supposed to be bigger than that. Right now, um, you know, the developer and the city really dropped the ball on that project, and so it looks like the city is trying to secure um, another developer that can do a smaller scale wheel. Wheel, so it won't be the biggest in the world, but it'll be like the second biggest on the eastern part of the country. Um, and they wasted millions of dollars in trying to develop that. Well, th so I don't think that it was wasted. It's not yet, not yet, right? Um, because the infrastructure for the wheel is still there um, and the mall is already up and going and running, you know? And so I do think if there is no wheel there, uh, there would have to be another um, alternative. Um, of course, if there's going to be another alternative, it has to go through a whole other process like Euler. Um, but I think most importantly, um, there, there is still some opportunity to ensure that the Empire Outlets is saved and is doing well. Um, but there has to be more activity in that area. But I think, again, tourists, there were definitely, when this thing was decided years ago, um, they were hoping that the tourism would be at a higher level than it is right now. So well, couldn't get any lower than it is, but that, that's the fault of the pandemic. Um, Sean P. You may know uh, Sean P. from uh, now in Pennsylvania. Uh, he wants to know, what are your fondest memories of playing for Coach Rich Pastiglione? Uh, one that it was uh, 5 o'clock in the morning, and I would hear this short guy yelling at us for no reason. Um, but in all seriousness... Uh, he was a tough coach, a very tough coach. And I feel like a lot of, you know, I always, you know, give my parents credit for what they did for us. But I also had to give my coaches credit too, because outside of this home, the stuff that the, discipline, the different type of discipline that they were putting us through, I think um, really prepared us for um, that, that next level in our lives, you know. Uh, coach Mistake Leon, Coach Wendell, Nienberg, Rocco, you, all you guys, you know. Um, you guys were tough, and uh, and you really, um, you know, it was really, it was, it made a big difference. So, uh, and you, you could see coming into the show now from Compound Media, you know, coming, in, coming in on Larry Bay at time. Holy shit! <laughs> Only a fucking yeah. half hour late. Yeah, Actually, I thir thirty-eight minutes. It's okay, show. it's I Larry just... Bayer. Oh God! How you doing, man? We're doing good, Larry. This is uh, Charles Fall. He's a New York uh, State Assemblyman. Charles, what up, baby? How you doing? How you doing, man? Yo, I just got off another podcast, and uh, so I'm ready for this one. I'm loving it. I'm having a good time today. All right, we're okay. gonna start wrapping up here. Uh, <laughs> okay, well that's what's up. That's what's up. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a headliner anyway. It's good seeing you, Larry, and uh, <laughs> you take care. You were great today, by the way. You nailed it. Um, Thanks. Uh, we're just going over some questions here. We'll get to you in a second. Um, Vincent, Vincent wants asks uh, Charles, what is the state doing to attract or keep billionaires that uh, pay over fifty percent of New York State taxes? Is that a true statement? So we'll say that again. What is, what's the? Yeah, he, he's asking, uh, what is it that the state is doing to attract or keep billionaires that pay fifty percent of New York State's taxes? And I just, I just followed up with a question: Is that even a true uh, statement? Well, because I think you know, I don't think we're doing much, right? One, look, you have this um, group of folks out there that feel like 
that that upper class um, folks that are in the upper class need to be significantly taxed, right? And those are the same people that now want to leave New York, right? It's like, why would you pay um, all this money for a house here when you could either go to Connecticut, Jersey, Florida, Texas at a much cheaper rate, right? Um, so I think there probably needs to be, you know, more incentives, I guess, right? Um, I mean, but it's like, I don't think the state is doing enough. And I'm not sure, to be honest with you, if they even are, if that group of folks are even um, uh, responsible for half of the state budget. I, I don't think that's um, accurate. I'm gonna have to double check. Um, but look, at the end of the day, our tax revenues are significantly low. Um, and there's a good chance we may have to raise taxes in certain areas. It's, it's not gonna be popular at all. Um, but I don't know. That's why. That's what I signed up for, guys. That that is true. Um, let's see. I got two more. Uh, Paula, Paula wants to know uh, what happens to New York City after Election Day, and she's uh, asking uh, about taxes, safety, services, uh, and real estate. I don't know what that means. Right, because we none, none of us saw this whole COVID situation happening, you know. So, um, so to answer, I, I don't know what, what's going to happen. Um, and this is like one of those things where we're going literally by the day. And um, again, if we don't have any federal funding that can help bail us out from like a lot of issues that we see right now, you know, you know, again, the state of New York can't just print money. You know, we rely on the tax revenues to carry out like a lot of the functions that the state carries out and to give those monies to local municipalities, right? Um, so, you know, again, like without that federal funding from the federal government, we, we're gonna be hurting and the tough choices will have to be made. Okay, and last question uh, for, for, for viewer mail. Um, did you play with Kyle McElarney? Yeah, so when I was a freshman, Kyle was, uh, senior and he was incredible i never saw anybody's work ethic like his our practice would start at five o'clock in the morning we'll get in the gym like around 4 30. kyle's in the gym already sweating like a madman and um the consistent work ethic was unbelievable and it set the tone for what we should be doing if we want to be champions yeah uh if you're not sure larry you are are you a college basketball fan um yeah okay do you remember a, a few years ago on uh, notre dame had a, a guard named kyle mackelani and he wound up setting the uh, record for three pointers in the big east and uh, charles was a teammate in high school with uh kyle okay okay that's, that's what we're uh, kind of discussing there yeah kyle was known to have this insane work ethic and um you know uh, charles he went back to more and then just left he, he was working with Gordon Haywood over with the uh, Celtics and now was just offered a job in the NBA and he, he took that job. Okay. Uh, that's interesting to people. Uh, Larry, <laughs> what, <laughs> what is happening, my friend? What have you been oh, up man. to? Everything. Let's Get Loud uh, is, is, is now in the UK. And um, when so Africa... people know, Let get, Let's Get Loud is Larry's show on Compound Media. And uh, and then basically comedy is coming back. We're doing a lot of shows at um, country clubs and a lot of different things. Sean was on the where, show with me. Where are those shows? 
uh, well, I don't want to, you know, give no, them I mean, all are, are they in, are they in New York? Or are they out of state? New York. There, there's some in upstate New York. There's some in, um, I, I live in Greenwich, Connecticut. So, um, there's, there's some in around here. We're doing a show, um, somewhere here in Connecticut, um, at the end of the month. And then we're producing another show, um, soon. So, um, but I, I love live stand-up comedy is coming back and, you know, I'll be back in the, um, cause I was at, just before COVID hit, I was at the Bellagio and did the Bogata. And now those um, the, the casinos are opening back up. So I'm just excited about that, you know? Sean, are they opening up for, for entertainment yet? No. Well, that's, that, yeah. Hard Rock is not open yet for entertainment because that's where I work, you know? Yeah. But, uh, the comedy club's closed right now. They, they, Howie Mandel took his name off the club. So. Did, he, did he take his name off? He's like, fuck it. Pretty much. It's not coming back. It's not coming back then. Well, they, they have it issued as the comedy club on their website. So yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'll make a phone call. Maybe I'll take it over. I mean, I'm um, not Mandel, but you know. Yeah. Pat Oates just did Mohegan Sun, um, comics of the Mohegan Sun. Mm -hmm. So, um, so you know, they was asking me, did I want to come up there? And I, I'm just going wherever. Just like, you know, me and, Sh me and Sean did a show together up in uh, at a country club. We're out on the patio. That's right. You know. And, and and it was it was a fun. We had Mark DeMeo, Gino Visconti, Aaron Berg. Uh, no, no, Aaron Berg wasn't there that day. No, Chrissy, um, Chrissy Mayer, Chrissy, K Kevin Dombrowski. You know, mm -hmm. so it, it's just that live interaction is coming back. So I'm excited about that stuff. You know, and then learning how to be a better host for a sit down show because I already knew what I could do standing up on stage. But to me, this I always likened it to when Jordan went and played baseball. This is me developing that muscle. And Anthony mm -hmm. Cumia has been very great at being a mentor to me and, uh, and all the other people, Pat Dixon, Aaron Berg, been a mentor to show me how to do this thing the right way, you know. You got some great guys in your corner, I'll tell you that. Yeah. Right. And, that, and even over at Gas Digital with Ralph Sutton, you know, they, they always give me advice too. Why don't you do this? Why don't you? I was like, okay, cool. And that show's really been knocking it out of the park as well. Now, um, we haven't started... Again, Sean, we, we waited too long with this. Uh, music. The show is called Who's Your Band? And, you know, we'd like to also kick around music with, with our guests. Uh, we, we just spent the last half hour or so uh, talking politics with, Sean, uh, with uh, Charles. Charles, you know, like I said, New York State Assemblyman. Um, but when it comes to music, Charles, what are, you, what are you listening to these days? What are you a fan of? I listen to everything. Um, African music. R&B. Do you have a particular artist that you like? Uh, like if you can go out now to a concert, who would you go see? Like if you go to one concert, like letting you go see one concert in 2020, who are you gonna go see right now? You. Who? You. <laughs> Me? Yeah, you. <laughs> you better sing. <laughs> you, you better set your bar a little higher. I mean, yeah, I <laughs> save you fifteen dollars, Charles. Trust Yo, me, I've seen it. This would be karaoke. <laughs> I, I just, I just want to make sure I heard that right. Yeah. I thought you were about to say you too. I thought you were going to say you too. Okay, I didn't see that one coming. I know what, I didn't see your band coming, Larry, because uh, you know I asked you before, uh, when we were going back and forth texting, who's your band? And your band is Bon Jovi. Okay, now here's why. Yeah. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you exactly why before. I'm going to cut you off. You know why? Because all bon, bon Jovi's fans are middle-aged white women. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> Living on a prayer. 
So, okay, let me tell you why my band is Bon Jovi. Okay, I love everybody. I love a white snake. I, love, I mean, Molly Crew, anybody, um, Parliament Funkadelic, hip hop. I love everybody. Country music, Luke Bryan, I can fuck with everybody. Now, but here's my reason why anybody asking that question is always Bon Jovi because the year was 1990 or, yeah, and I was just getting, well, I got out of school in 86 and I, I went to the United States Air Force. And uh, Bon Jovi came out with an album called Slippery When Wet. And uh, that, was, just, that was 86. Yeah, we was, we was getting ready for Desert Storm uh, coming up soon. But the average person in America thought Desert Storm started on the official date that if you Wikipedia. But we were over in those regions doing some other things throughout those years. So um, at that time, I, my, my best friend now, he, um, he grew up in the Ku Klux Klan. He's one of my best friends now. I grew up. I grew up in the nation of Islam, so right there, there was two polar different people that was uh, was not supposed to be together. But in the United States military, they strip you of all that other baggage that society gives you that's not necessary to have, like racism and sexism and all that other bullshit. They strip you of all of that and make you work as a unit of one. I mean, they do a great job doing it. But the thing is, it's almost like sports. I play sports even when I went to Morehouse. I played sports. But, What'd you um, play? I play basketball. But the thing is, is that like what happened is in the military, um, like we, we hated each other. He said, his, his first thing he came to me, he said, I heard all black people got tails. And I said, you know, I, I heard all uh, the, the white man was the devil. So we, not, we always was at each other's throat fighting and everything like that. But the TI made us bunk together. They made not in the same bunk, but you know, in the same you know, area. Uh, they, they made us do everything together. And I remember when Chip, that was his name. I remember when Chip lost his girlfriend. And I mean, because when you're in the military, everybody knows you're about to get a letter called. Before it was like, thank you for your service. This is back in the day. You went off to the military. Your girl cheated on you at home. You know, the, the dudes that stayed at home, they was fucking other dudes or whatever. So his girl sent him a Dear Jody letter saying, you know, I'm breaking up with you. And I mean, he was bawling, crying and everything like that. I mean, he was crying. And I felt kind of bad for him, but I was like, good, fuck you. But then... um, my girl sent me one too. And we both was like bawling, crying or whatever like that. And Bon Jovi's album, Slippery When Wet. You give love a bad name. That's right. We bonded over Living that. on a prayer. We bonded over that fucking um, CD. It was, it was a cassette tape then. We bonded over that so hard that anytime Bon Jovi comes up, and you understand something, I was born in Italy and I grew up in South Philly. So the thing is, is that I grew up, I'm Italian. So I grew up, I'm, I'm black and Italian. So I grew up with Italians and that's our Italian theme song. You, you put on Bon Jovi right now in an Italian neighborhood. You put on, you put on, any, let me tell you, this is the things you put on in an Italian neighborhood. You put on Saturday Night Fever. You put on Bon Jovi. You put on um, anything that makes you think of the Italian American experience, it's a hit. So anytime I hear that song, you hear it a lot. You know, I live in, lived in Bay Ridge before I moved out here to Connecticut, this Italian neighborhood. You always hear those songs over and over. And that always, it's a feeling, it's a vibe that Bon Jovi set. Were they the best band? Everybody knows that they weren't. They know that. But the thing was, it was a vibe that they set that, you know, that I still ride on that, you know, was all that. But I, I grew up with Run DMC. I grew up with, I love Eminem. I, music is my thing. But if somebody says, you know what, hold on a second. I'm listening to this. Nice try. It's the middle-aged white women. It, it, definitely. But that's true. Because listen, it is. 
It's the middle-aged white woman. That's but why see, you I like, like I like all women, though. A lot of people always try to pin me down when they see, see me after my shows and they see me with a different girl or whatever like that. It's like, oh, you like white women. Of course I do. But I also like black women. I also like Puerto Rican women. I also like Brazilian women. I also like, you know, Russian women. I like all women. I like uh, Indian women. But the thing is, is that they are, that's like, I'm like a snake charmer with Bon, bon Jovi with the middle-aged white women. They let me, they let me drive their uh, uh, BMW X1s. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Larry, Bon Jovi is one of my favorite bands of all time, too. Because, again, I grew up in I grew up in New Jersey. Yeah. Right? I'm a few years younger, but, I mean, Slippery When Wet, New Jersey, all those albums, fantastic. And you're right, because, you know, on the flip side, too, I'm half Italian and I'm half black as well. So yeah. <laughs> we're a lot alike in a lot of ways. So I remember seeing Bon Jovi as they were a bar band. And really? They, they, really? Yeah. And... They didn't even have Richie Simbora in the band. Do you remember who the original? He never was officially part of Bon Jovi. That's right. It was uh, yeah. Dave Sabo from um, Skid Row. From Skid Row, and they they didn't have the bass player uh, John Alex Such. He was in a, a cover band that I used to play around here called Phantoms Opera, and I think Kiko Torres brought them into the band, and they'd always seen Richie around. Um, yeah, but that's how far back I went with Bon Jovi, man. I, I do you remember their first song was uh, "Runaway," right? You remember that song? Runaway, yeah. Yeah, and I, I remember, love it. <laughs> it's a great song, and yeah. they recorded that at the power station in the city. Um, uh, Tony Bon Jovi is uh, John Bon Jovi's cousin, and John worked there, and he let him use the studio to record the song, and it became part of this radio station's compilation uh, album. And that was the song that kind of broke them. And from that compilation album, they wound up having to get a band together. You know, Sabo uh, couldn't do it. And they got Richie to come to the band. And they wound up recording uh, 78 uh, Degrees Fahrenheit. That was wow. really their first album. Wow. And you know, it's so funny. My favorite Bon Jovi song is Never Say Goodbye. <laughs> That's probably the song I hate the most. <laughs> Why? <laughs> <laughs> There's no. no bad. There's no bad Bon Jovi songs. Oh, there. there's plenty no, of bad Bon Jovi. Bed of Roses is a, is a song that I, I would stab you in the neck with. <laughs> next to me, Johnny, you told me you enjoyed. I that sang song. that to a girl one time. No, you didn't. Did you? Oh, I totally did. Uh, karaoke. Please, please, I know you, it's it's Larry. Larry, it's Sean's birthday. But please, Happy Sweet Sixteen, Sean. But Sean, please tell the story on why you sang this incredibly shitty song to a girl. Um, it was yeah. a girl that I was friends with. And like, we didn't like, you know, there was like that connection, but we never hooked up. And this was like 25 years ago. And we went to carry, she was moving back to Iowa. Right. And I was like, I was contemplating going to school in Iowa just because. Yeah, we do gone. that. <laughs> and I sang that. I belted this song out of karaoke. And of course, when I had to hit the note where it says, uh, where I sleep on a bed of nails, my voice just cracked like Peter Brady on the Brady Bunch. <laughs> it was horrible. <laughs> Fucking mother. That was the deal breaker. Oh, it was, was totally. Once I, once I hit that note, I was like, yeah, God. nothing's getting touched down below today. Sean, uh, Sean uh, Charles, have you ever sang uh, a sappy song to a girl? <laughs> never, never sang, never, never sang a, a crappy Bon Jovi song to a girl. You're trying to impress her. I don't sing. I just uh, took a basketball, rolled it in my hands, and, and yeah, yeah. Hey, no, Charles, the no, music uh, is wet. I heard a, I heard a rumor about Charles Fall, and the rumor is that there was this guy, this 50 year old guy named Dave Nidal, who uh, 
who who who's raining threes over you. Is that true, or is day full of shit? It seems like a it seems like a, a dream gone really well. <laughs> Urban myth. <laughs> Dave Nidal's a gym teacher and and uh, board. Uh, what is he? A uh, drives ed teacher. Uh, great guy. Great guy. You know, probably the best fancy uh, uh, guy I know. Who you know for fancy football and all the old sports. But uh, yeah, he he lo he loves talking about how he how he was draining threes over Charles Fall. Comment, Charles. I, he, got, he got a few shots in. He got a few shots. In. <laughs> yeah, I, no, I, played, I, I played basketball with Felipe Lopez one time when he was at St. John's, and I was at St. Yeah, John's. we were playing in, just intramurals, and of course now. You know, I'm, I wasn't always in the spectacular uh, physical shape that I'm in right now. I was a little heavier at the time. And uh, he, so he got the best of you? He jumped over my head. Oh, shit. Yeah, he was Felipe a phenomenal was college athlete. Yeah, yeah Felipe jumped I, over my head. Yeah, um, if, if you know the New York basketball scene, like, I'm, I'm cool with all the, uh, the New York basketball players from back in the day that either played um, entertainers or classics or at the Rucker and everything like that that played in all of these, um, the high schools with Stefan Mulberry and everybody. And they have so many Felipe stories of when Felipe, Felipe was in a game one time in high school. And um, he, because when Felipe would come to the high school, I mean, entourage, when I say entourage would come with him, entourage would come. And Felipe got thrown out of a game one time and Felipe got his clothes and he left and the whole gym left with him. Did he really? he wound up getting drafted by the Spurs or did, was he did he ever make it to the NBA? He was in the NBA yeah, for like a couple seasons. No, it wasn't yeah. that long ago. Yeah. Why, why does a guy like that, you know, have such a great uh, college career, but doesn't transcend into Charles? Well, I mean, you're players, a lot of players, players like that. But look at Bobby Hurley. Bobby Hurley can be considered one of the greatest point guards in NCAA history. Yeah. And did nothing in his in his NBA career. You know. Yeah, Larry. And then you got, I mean, these are amazing athletes in, in, in college. I, will, I mean, in college and um, uh, in the pros. But also, a lot of times there's a system that you have to conform to. I, I remember that there was a lot of players who had gifted skills when we played, you know, on the playground or whatever like that, but could not buy into a motion offense, could not buy into, you know, setting a ball side high pick or, or doing anything with a system they just could not get the system or whatever that's one reason and another reason is sometimes a, a coach will know how to defend that player to, uh, you know um to shut that player down there's some uh, some great defenses that will shut a player down like a felipe you know and, and especially if you haven't bought into the the, the full game there are four other players on the um, court with you mentality when i grew up there was a player by the name of world be free and oh, yeah. He, you know, and he, he never saw a shot that he didn't like. He could be anywhere on the court. But he was worse, than, he was worse than Kobe. Huh? He was worse than Kobe. Oh, oh my. Oh, Kobe doesn't even come close to him. You remember, I remember. him. He was, Kobe, on the, he was on the Cavs, right? Yeah. yeah. Kobe doesn't even come close to him. But the thing is, is that, you know, I used to watch Kobe play at Lower Marion High School. Uh, him and Rip Hamilton, when, when they when they used to go forward against the state championship or whatever like that. And um, they used to have a, like a, because I think Kobe and them lost junior year and then he went came, went back and won senior year. But I used to go to Laura Marion and watch those games. And Kobe, at least Kobe still was a, a player that could play with people. He just wanted to shoot more. 
a lot of people can't buy into that system. They just think that it's, you know, ah, 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 just shoot, 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 or whatever like that. And they can have a skill set for, um, for, for playground basketball, but they just don't have it for that team sport. That's one of the things. There are better people in outside of the game of the NBA that are, that are inside the NBA, but it's sometimes it's marketing, sometimes it's attitude, sometimes so many different facts. Same thing with acting and comedy and everything like that. True. You know. True. Well, listen, we could go on with this all day, but you know what? Like I said, today is Sean's birthday. So, so, so Sean has a, a birthday party that he has to attend. Uh, Where are you going? The other room. <laughs> the other room for that? <laughs> Yo, did Darius say uh, happy birthday to you? Yes, and I got, I got, I got like $58 of barbecue waiting there for an hour. You're killing me. Ah, well, go get it. <laughs> Because we got clams and mussels that we're about to make. Oh, <laughs> I know. <laughs> but we want to wish uh, Sean a happy birthday. We want to thank, thank you. you guys so much for coming on and give us your time. Charles, we really appreciate you, your time. How old is your daughter? How old are you, Nyla? How old? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, listen, I didn't, I didn't ask to be a part of social media. <laughs> Just for <laughs> Great. Just woke up. Well, anyway, Charles, we we wish you the best of luck in in um, in your future endeavors. And you, anytime you're ready to run for mayor, you let us know, man. We'll do everything we can. Uh, we, we we will always have you back. You know, we wish you the best on re-election. You're going to do fine. Um, so again, we appreciate you taking your time out to to sit and chat with us a little bit, Larry. Same yeah. with you, man. Wish we had more time with you. That's okay. That was enough because I got to go do another one in a second. But the, here's what I want to say. If any of y'all want to get on Let's Get Loud, Sean, Sean knows he's supposed to have been on it already. Yeah, because you, you didn't you didn't send me the information, you dope. Okay, well, you're going to get it. You, you know, I, I got people <laughs> that do that. But I, I listen, I will get you on there. I will get you on, everybody on there. Congratulations on the movie success to you, too. Um, hey, thanks, man. You know, and then, um, Charles, if you ever want to get on Let's Get Loud, we had a judge on there um, this week from um, Los Angeles, and he, uh, he was talking about uh, a lot of different things. So, Judges, congressmen, uh, everybody. I bring every walk of life on there to just have some fun with us. Charles is a good man, believe me. Uh, before we go, uh, I just want to just say this. Um, just uh, this, uh, this, this past weekend, we uh, Comedy World lost a good man. We lost uh, Mike Tomasino from uh, Catch a Rise uh, and Star. Mm. Um, yeah, Mike was a Mike was a, a Staten Island guy. Yeah, and you know he was he was like really like. As Bobby Collins, who was our guest last week, said, he's, he was one of the good ones. Yes. So I just wanted to acknowledge uh, Mike's passing. Good, and, good friend know. of mine. Yeah. So uh, I think the last time I saw him was actually at your show, Sean. Yeah, that was his first show back from being sick. Was it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. man. So. Uh, well. I don't know if y'all remember Vic Henley. Uh, oh, yeah. We lost of course. Vic, Vic, Vic Henley. And I, I remember we did the Hamptons together. And then right after that, he passed. I was like, man. You know, so when we lose somebody like that, it's like losing a brother. Yeah, and you know how the comedy bookers are. You know, the bookers and the managers are not always uh, comic friendly, and this guy went over above and beyond for all of us. So yeah. So between Mike Tomasino and Vic Henley and Jeff Parami, you know, and Pete Mike, Angelo Lozada. Angelo Lozada, God. You know, it's just, it's just 2020 can't end fast enough. Yeah. Uh, you know? Anyway, guys, 
all you guys be well. Take care. We got we got a big uh, big guest next week. Big show next week, right, John? Yes. When I confirm it, we'll make the announcement. Woo! Okay. Yeah, next week. But guys, again, thank you very much. Everyone, take care, and we'll see you next week. See you guys. Okay, thank, thank you guys for coming on. Thanks, brother. Thanks.